0: Alright, well good morning, sure. Can't believe this is happening. Um, I was gonna actually start this sermon talking to us all about Easter, our plans for Good Friday. We have an Easter egg hunt, you know, with a lot of children and baptisms, but uh, this is where we are. And I'm just I'm glad that you're there. I just want to welcome you if you're a family member or you're sitting there with like a friend who you've invited or community group leaders or maybe it's just you and your family. Uh, welcome to this time. I really appreciate uh, just how you guys are gathering together to hear this sermon. Uh, instead of telling you all about Easter and all that, I wanted to begin our time with some verses that God gave me uh, in a day of fasting. And so many, as many of you know, uh, we have for. Uh, like a few weeks now, have called the shore into a month of March to, uh, to fast, to fast, to pursue God's face, to get more of him, uh, fasting once a week for every week in March. And as you know, we don't have a space right now, but we also don't have a space coming at the end of April. And so we've been just fasting. And the reason is we're not looking for uh, you know, God to bring this answer down through our fasting, but rather. Uh, this was a time just to pursue more of Him, like to get more, more of His presence, get more intimacy. Because when God does answer our prayer, we are going to uh, need Him. We're going to need His presence, faith, and so that's why we're fasting. Uh, and and man, we couldn't. There there couldn't be more of a relevant time for deep faith than right now. So let me share the verses, and I think it'll apply to the, even the stuff. Uh, that's happening in our life with COVID-19. So Tuesday night I was fasting. I went up to my room and I just, I was having a really hard time. I was, I couldn't feel God's presence that day. I was just hungry, hangry, and uh, was just doubting and was just deeply feeling uneasy. And I could, I could tell something was off and I just, I said, God, like, I don't want to go off my feelings. I know what's true about you, but I need something. Like, you got to give me something. And um, I hear this faintest whisper. Uh, I I literally threw myself on the bed. I hear this faintest whisper, Isaiah 43. And so I'm like, I got to go there. And so there were two passages from Isaiah that just leaped out uh, into my inner being, and I could feel God's presence when it was happening. And so I want to share those with you. Um, you can see them you know, in this production here. Uh, so Isaiah, I'll read verse 1 and 2. But Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2 says But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. He says, when you pass through the waters, and this is where I felt God just speak to me. Because, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, God, will you go through? It just felt like we've been Moses at the Red Sea. And he says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. The reason they won't overwhelm you is they can't overwhelm God. God who's with us. So when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you, and when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The next uh, passage was in verse 18, where it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God says, I will make a way in the wilderness that we're in, in the wilderness of this COVID-19, in the wilderness of so much disappointment, so much uneasiness, uh, so much fear that we're going through. Uh, God is with us and we can trust in his Godness. And so I just want to tell you that night, before any of this crazy uh, spreading and results from the government came through, I, I could feel his peace and his presence. And so I've been praying this for us. Um, but sure, I think he is doing a new thing. He is. And the context of those in Isaiah, they were going through tons of disease, oppression, persecution. Uh, life wasn't easy, and he was doing a new thing. And and I, I opened that way because I could I, what I felt in that moment wasn't how crazy and amazing and applicable Isaiah was, but that the fact that God wanted to show me His presence, like He comforted me that night, and I just I really believe that's what He wants to do in and at the shore, uh, in in the lives of lots and lots of people that he's eager to be with you, like he loves you. And so we got to pursue him. We have to pursue him, especially in this time. Uh, Psalm 63 came to mind as well. David says this, Oh God, you are my God. Yet you got to cry that. If you haven't, you just, you can stop and just say, Oh God, you are my God. And then watch what he says, Earnestly I seek you, my soul. He says, my soul, the suitcase of my soul, everything in my soul, it's thirsty, it thirsts for you. My flesh, it it faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now note, David's in a place where he knows his longing in his life is a spiritual longing. So, so get this, he is, he is correctly diagnosing why it's so dry. And his situation in this moment is a lot like ours. He's running, uh, he's, he's in a cave, he has not a lot of resources, he's not doing well out there, but he knows it's not a toilet paper issue. He knows deep down there's something in his soul that this situation is pointing out that he needs God to touch. So what does he say next? He says this, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. So David, he recalls a time when he encountered God's provision, his power, his glory. He's like, I have looked upon you. This word, looked, uh, in the Hebrew is a word that uh, speaks to a revelatory experience. He brings to mind a moment in this intense spiritual hunger, a moment in his life where he had an encounter, where God was faithful. Why does he do that? Because this is what's going to move him and motivate him to seek God. And he wants more of God And this this is what I want to open with. Sure, church. God wants us to want more of God. Encounters with His peace, His love. He's really, really real. Um, and, and, and this is what our city, our neighbors, uh, the people we work out with, our, 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 all of it. This is what they need most right now. They needed a real encounter with the peace of Christ. Where you just get along with him and you say, can we pray and actually pray? And then just say this, Jesus, would you come and wait? Because he will. He will. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I, before we even get to the passage, by the way, we're still going to preach through Galatians this morning. Um, but before we get there, I just want to take a, mi- a minute or so. And I just I want you to talk to him. And I know you've been praying a lot. But I just want us to stop here, and 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 just posture our hearts and say, God, I want to give you this is the stuff that I'm distracted with, I'm disappointed with, this is my wilderness. Like I don't know how you're going to show up. I, I'm I'm buying way too much toilet paper and I don't even know why. I'm I'm freaking out. Just tell them that. Just tell them that. Now, I'm not you know I'm not saying you shouldn't get toilet paper, but. There, there's a there's a reason in our souls that we we need to feel and control here. And I just want you to tell them that. Go to God and just say, God, uh, I don't long for you right now. And I want to. My soul is crying out and then help me pay attention to it. All right, so just, let's just ask him. And, and if you're with your family and you got some kids there, uh Kids, just put your hands out like this and you tell Jesus what's going on in your heart, okay? So let's just do that, a minute of silence and then I'll pray and we'll get into our text. Feels like Sunday. spirit we just invite you now to come and just be present with us think of this opportunity to record this message and God my prayer like I, I know I can't see faces and um, but my prayer is that you would really feel present right now in the living rooms uh, maybe someone's going for a walk and just listening to this um, but I, I pray that in Jesus' name that your presence would just fill now and fill me. And Lord, we, we want to receive those words. We want to fear not. For you have created us. You formed us. Jesus, you are not anxious. You are present. And God, you knew that we would be here that we'd be in this passage, which seems a strange one to preach on in a time like this. But I just, I pray for your presence now. I pray we wouldn't look at our phones. We wouldn't be distracted. But that you would be present with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, here's the context. Uh, we're So we're in Galatians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, please open it. We're going to chap uh verses 21 to 31. And remember the issue, okay, so here's the context, prompted this whole letter, we have some false teachers that have come in from Judaism, and they were saying, you can have Jesus, so get forgiveness of sin, you can receive salvation, but they were saying, because they grew up doing these Old Testament rules and laws, that the way to truly make sure you're Abraham's son, that you're really... uh, acceptable with God, the way to actually have that is by doing these good works. And, and Paul's been pointing out for the last few weeks, that's not how it's worked. Obeying rules as a way of receiving salvation or advancing with your relationship with God was never how it worked was never how it worked in the Old Testament. It was always by faith in those things. It was always by faith in God. It's always been about loving God, trusting God in His promises, not about what we do. We said this a few weeks ago. It'll be here on the screen. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Trying to add good deeds like Torah, living, in their case, circumcision and festivals. That's slavery. So here's what he's going to do. This is the last passage now that he is going to teach this theology. The next few weeks are going to be us applying tons of application on the fruit of the Spirit, how to live by the Spirit, live free. But today, he's going to give us one analogy, one picture to drive it all home. So let me read the passage for you. Uh, It'll also be up here. Uh, Just thank you to Jordan, who's doing all our editing. Um. so yeah so Galatians here we go let me read our passage so here's what he says tell me you who desire you want to be under the law do you not listen to your own law for it is written that Abraham had watch this two sons this is Abraham one by a slave woman and one by a free woman Two different women, two different sons. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this, he says, may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, where they got the law, bearing children for... Slavery. She is Hagar. That's the the servant. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the system that they're under right now. For she is in, watch this, slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written rejoice O barren one who does not bear break forth and cry aloud you who are not in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband now you brothers brothers and sisters like Isaac are free your children of the promise but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. That happened in Abraham. So brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. All right. So, lots there. If you're confused, that's totally okay. We're going to teach it through. So, verse 21, he says this. We'll look at the first three verses. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. So, you want to be acceptable by being under the law? He's like, do you not listen to the law? For it is written, now here's the story. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave, a servant woman, and one by a free woman. So one is, again, Hagar, a servant, and the one is his wife, so she's free. She's not the slave. Um, And she's the one that God came to with a promise. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. That just means born without any supernatural involvement, just the natural way. Well, the son of the free woman was born through God's initiative, God's work. So I just think it would be helpful to go back to the story. So let me go back to you, Genesis 9, I mean Genesis 12. God comes to Abraham and says, okay, you're going to have a son. Remember, he's like, look at all the stars in the sky. I'm going to create a nation through your line. You're going to have a son. Now, that's a huge promise because Abraham and Sarah are very old. She's barren, never had children. So that's an exciting promise. And he's like, shalom's going to come through this seed. My kingdom's going to come. So this is a massive promise. So for years and years and years, they're holding on to it. A decade goes by and there's still no son. And so Sarah's like, Abraham, I can't wait any longer. we got to take the initiative. If God's not doing it, then let's go ahead and and, and take it for ourselves. Okay, now, let me actually just show you this from Genesis. You can see it on the screen, uh, 16, verse 2. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Okay, now there's a, uh, a sermon in itself on that alone. On just, you know, not waiting on God's promise and 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 faith and all that. But watch this. 14 years later, Abraham's now 100 years old. God is faithful to his promise. And guess who's born? Isaac. And he's born miraculously through Sarah, not Hagar. Okay, you can see this on the screen as well. Genesis 21. Uh, And I want you to notice how much the author of Genesis mentions her name. The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. The Lord did this. Not Abraham taking it, the Lord. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him. Whom Sarah bore him Isaac. Okay, so just think about this with me. And now, now remember that you got religious leaders coming into these churches in Galatians saying we have to obey this law, we have to make sure we're being good for it to be acceptable and to grow and continue. Paul's saying, no, it's all Christ and Christ alone. You don't, you're totally free from the law. He's fulfilled it. We now live this new life with God by the Spirit. And now Paul's like, this has always been in our Bible. He's like, watch this. How will the promised son, whose seed will be Jesus, be born? Will it be by man's performance, man's works? No, that's never worked out for us. It will always be by God's, right? So this is the story. Now watch the example, and I'll explain it to you. He says this, verse 24. Now this may be interpreted allegorically as an example. He's like, these women are two covenants. Two agreements. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She's Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery to the law with her children. But Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Here's why this is earth-shattering. They all think, okay, these false teachers from Judaism... And, and, and the Jewish nation believed we are from Isaac, right? They pride themselves, and then he goes, nope, you're not from that mama, okay? You got a different mama. He just aligned Hagar with the law, with Mount Sinai, and the current Jerusalem system, because that all, trusting in all the works, is, is the same way Abraham and Hagar got a son. Not by promise. There's a new way to have relationship with God. There's a new way to have freedom with God. There's a new way to live fullness in the presence with God. And it's by promise. It's by faith in Jesus. So he's like, hey, false teachers, you got the wrong track. Okay? So so let me ask us this question. Pause on the teaching for a second. Um... By being with Hagar, what, what was Abraham trusting in? Right, let me say it again. By being with Hagar, you know he listens to Sarah, what is he trusting in in that moment? Answer, his own works. Right. The faith he had was in himself as his own savior. That's the difference. Relying on what you do, your own ability, rather than the supernatural grace of God, when you do that, he's saying you are not Following Isaac, you're not free. You're still trying to earn. And then he quotes, "Watch this from Isaiah," and this is where we get this gospel promise. Uh, Isaiah 54. He says this, but in verse 27, four it'll it'll be on the screen here. For it is written, "Rejoice, O barren one!" Right? Rejoice! You can't have, who does not bear break forth and cry aloud. You who are not in labor. That's Sarah. Why? Isaiah says something is about to happen. Something miraculous that's going to change your life forever. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you could preach a whole sermon on the context of where that's taking place in Isaiah. We don't have the time for that. But here's the point. That's the gospel promise. Right? There is going to be another Woman who's going to come with a miraculous birth, who through that woman, we are going to have the nations, a new kingdom. This is the gospel promise. Our salvation will be miraculous. It won't be us taking it, us maintaining it. It'll be by faith in the promise. So Sarah stands for all those who have learned to cease trying, to attain salvation and new life. And maturity by our own effort. Instead we get this new life by trusting in Christ Abraham's seed and then now we get to live by the power of the Spirit. Okay now this is how he concludes it. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of the promise. And then he switches gears. In verse 29 he explains why The false religious teachers are there and why they are doing this. And he does that from this very story. In verse 29, he says this, But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, okay, that's Ishmael, that's Hagar's son, born according to the flesh, persecuted him. We read in in Genesis 21, 9, Ishmael's mocking, persecuting, uh, being super mean uh, to to Isaac. And and, and there's this jealousy. There's this result of taking things into your own hands. And he's saying, guess what? That's happening now. You're experiencing the same thing. And if you think about it, who opposed, who rejected, who mocked, who condemned Jesus the most? It was the religious Leadership, his own nation. This has been happening from there, from Abraham all the way in. So who who's I mean, who's the most fiercest opposition? If you read the book of Acts or Paul, it's the church, it's it's not the New Testament church, it's the, the Judaism, it's the is it's Israel. Why? Okay, so here's why I want to do some application here. So why? What's underneath it? Uh, deep down it's fear. It's fear. I mean, think about this just in the Abraham and Sarah story. Why did um, they not trust the promise? Or, or what, what kept them, or what, what what made Sarah go, hey, just just you know, let's go with Hagar. What was it? Deep down, fear. I gotta I got take matters into my own hands. I gotta control how this is gonna go for me. Right? Fear. And let me say this. Fear keeps us looking at what we can do to be safe. Fear, fear keeps us so focused on what we can do to feel secure, uh, to gain our value, and, and oftentimes it manifests itself in control. It does. Control, religious control, uh, in, is that what's at root... In this fear, look at, look at you, can, you can see this on the screen, but John 12, 19, it says this, of the religious leaders. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. There's fear. Jesus is on the scene. People are following him. They're losing what they're valuing the most, a sense of, you know, their devotion to God and what other people think of them. And he says, look, the world has gone after them. So the issue of their value was dependent on whether they were in control. They were gaining value not from, now watch this, not from trusting in God's promise of who they are. They they weren't looking for the Messiah because they felt deeply loved by the Father and couldn't wait to see the promise. No, they had built a whole religious system of control because they had fear that they... They wanted to manage how their own pride and glory, their value came from their devotion and other people's devotion to them. And and it's true slavery. It was never what God meant. Slavery. Now let me say this: It doesn't matter what kind of church you see these symptoms in. This, this kind of control and power, and if you're, if you, if you're like us, and you have this certain devotion, and you, you know, we're this kind of theology, or we, we, or we all speak in tongues. It doesn't matter where you come from: charismatic, conservative, at the shore. This stuff is present. Now let me tell you how how it uh, shows up in my life. Okay, I'll just say it to you. I'm afraid. Okay, so it starts with fear. I'm afraid that if I don't do the right spiritual programs, activities, you know, kind of make sure I'm aligned with the right things, uh, God won't bless us. And that's not true. But but watch this, with that fear producing in, in me, I will now be results oriented, right? And, and that comes from a good heart. Like i you know, all the things that we're doing at the shore, they come from a good heart. But if I have this fear in my heart, what I do is I think, okay, this new ministry, this could be the blessing. This could be the way we can, you know, we can, we can have growth and success. And again, there's a lot of good in that. My heart is pure in that. But if I have fear, it's all about me making this happen. I want to control the outcomes of the things I care about. So what I do is I work hard to produce these good results. I feel good and I feel blessed if there is results. Now watch this. If in that framework, if I'm... If I'm running on that fear, if I work hard and things don't come around, how do I feel? I'll tell you, I feel uh, very discouraged, uh, irritable, and angry. Now, what's underneath that? Well, as I'm learning this, what's underneath is the issue of my value is somehow connected to my capacity to produce results and control the outcome that I desire. What's under my value, what I'm believing there is that I'm not really deeply loved by the Father. I'm not doing it from a place of love. I'm doing it to receive a place of significance. Right? That's hack our thinking. I'm not believing I'm free and I'm a true son of Sarah. And if, if look, if I can't produce results, it feels like. It diminishes my worth and my belief of how God thinks I am. Now again, I'm not free. That's not freedom. I'm not living in, I'm deeply loved by the Father. I'm adopted. Jesus loves me. And so I I, I, I got to get off that faulty foundation, which is exactly where uh, Paul goes next. But before we go there, because I'm excited to go there, I, I want to talk just really quick about controlling, okay? Um, if, let me just say this, if people around you tell you you're controlling or they, or they tell you they feel uh, condemned or even handcuffed or judged by you, uh, it's because you're controlling, okay? It is, you know, don't look at each other right now, by the way, if you're like, that's her or that's him. Um, l- listen, if that's you, here's what you need to do. You just need to get along with the Holy Spirit and you need to ask him, God, would you show me what I'm afraid of? Like what's underneath that? Why am I controlling? What am I afraid to lose? Where, where does my value rest? That's, and you get along with the Holy Spirit and you ask him, where does my value rest? And then you wait and he'll show you. He'll show you either right away, a memory will come to mind now, now let me just say this. In light of COVID-19, um, we are all going to have within us a few things happening. One, our flesh uh, and, and the culture around us and the news that we read will create fear. And it's still good for us to get along with the Holy Spirit and give him our fear and say, Jesus, this is my fear. I'm, af- I'm afraid my parent. I'm just, you tell him that. Um, the enemy of our souls loves to keep those thoughts in secret and loves to keep adding to them. So my encouragement to you, sure: any ounce of fear you get, bring it to Jesus continuously and ask this question because here's the thing. If you are not aware of the role fear plays in your life, uh, you're going to produce so much disastrous fruit and we're going to miss the opportunity of the gospel. We have such a unique opportunity in this season because there's going to be so much fear in our friends, family, neighbors, and the greatest hope. You know, you know, you know the number one word Jesus says anytime He does the most miraculous things, when He calms a storm, when He, when he gives forgiveness of sin, when He rises from death to defeat like all of the, the problem of sin and our fear in death, He says, do not be afraid. Like, Do not be afraid. And so that we have to get along with the Holy Spirit a lot in this time and give him that fear because without when you have fear you will inevitably turn it into control and you're not even living in light of the gospel or the cross of Jesus and that's the issue Paul keep keeps going back and you're forgetting the cross you're forgetting the cross look at the cross go back to the cross. Look at what he did. Look at what he rose again. There's new life. There's resurrection happening. Okay. So let me ask, ask us, do you seek to control outcomes? what What are you seeking to control right now? Uh, people who who have been abused, they often they struggle with control issues. Now, Uh, Rob Riemer in his book, Soul Care, and this will be on the screen as well. People, he says this, People who are abused often give up on the hope of receiving love. But they opt for control so that at least they will not suffer more abuse. It is as if they tell themselves, You may not love me, but you will not hurt me anymore. So they choose control as a way of creating security and overcoming the fears deep inside. But this is just another false foundation, and it leads to a life full of soul cracks. Unless we stand on the true foundation, we cannot have a healthy soul. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, one minute left. What do we do? Jesus, just so you know, Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. We'll see this next week. He's come to set you free. Paul tells us, big idea, get rid of the lies. Get rid of them. He goes back to Abraham, and what does Sarah tell uh, Abraham to do? Kick Hagar. I mean, it's not a great story, but kick him out. Cast him out. Get rid of it. And Paul, in the allegory, is saying, get rid of that lie. It's a lie. And begin in trusting in whose you are. When you trust in whose you are, you stop trying to control what others can give you or take from you. Let me say that again. When you begin to trust in whose you are, you stop trying to control what others can or take from you. One of the things I started to do is anytime I get along with God with an issue, I'll spend the first few minutes just thanking Him for who I am. Like, thank you that I could not be more loved. Thank you that I'm a son. And I just encourage you to begin with who you are. So here's how he says it. Last, last section here. But what does the scripture say? It'll be on the screen. Cast. A word that means forcefully get rid. Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Verse 31. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Cast out the lies. Ruthlessly hold on that your value is not determined by whether or not you're in control. But your value was settled at the cross. You are loved. It's received by Jesus. It's not earned by you. Okay? He says, So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. We are children of God. The gospel is not for those who are good people. In fact, it's only for those who are not good and are clinging to the promise, to Jesus. The supernatural son. So I implore you today, sure, cling to Jesus. Come to Him uh, as we close. I just encourage you with those around you, uh, just spend some time in prayer. Uh, the response song we had was No Longer Slaves, and so if you want to uh, even get that on your phone and just listen to it, hit play, sing it if you can. I don't know what your plan is if you have someone leading worship in your house, but um, uh you know, we're going to be working this week on setting up more shore house churches. And so we're excited about that. But just get alone with the Lord. Pray with the group and just start thanking Him um, that you don't need to merit. You don't need to be perfect. You have it all because you have Jesus. You are not children of the slave, but you are children of the free woman. When you have Jesus, you have it all. It's all been given to you. It's yours. Okay, he loves you, not if, or he loves you, you know, well, I have to do all this or give that up. No, no, he loves you. We are not children of the slave. We are children of the free woman. So let's pray, and then uh, you can respond as you're going to respond. So Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you have set us free, that we are children from Isaac of Sarah, ultimately pointed to Jesus so we now have the promise of Jesus and I just I pray for us in this time Lord Holy Spirit would you just come now and grant us peace Lord as we give you our fears this entire week for some of us it's going to have to be literally every five minutes Uh, Lord I just I pray in Jesus name that you would just quiet uh, the works of the enemy and I pray, to God, that you would just turn our gaze towards the power that you have. And we hold on to the truth that you have done this a thousand times with your people. You have brought them through wilderness and you will do it again. And so, Lord, we cling not to our control or not to anything that we need to hold on to. We cling to you. And you have set us free. And I pray we would live free. And Lord, I just, I pray you'd guide us in the next few weeks as a church. Lord, what this all looks like, house churches. um, Lord, we pray for our government. We pray just, Lord, would you, by your miraculous work, uh, Lord, just limit and begin to stop the spread of this virus. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we have hope. We have resurrection. Our hope is not in this life. Use us in the midst of all this. And uh, Lord, just thank you for this time and your word this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're loved.